on down. We've got a little church service for your busyness. You are welcome to stay anytime you need to. Have Miss Rhonda telling stories today, so that's always a exciting moment. The rest of you can open up to Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23. We're going to read through Proverbs 23 before the sermon. We're going through Proverbs right now. Seems dark up here today. Does it? All right. Proverbs 23. I can see in there. You ready? Yeah. All right. When you sit to dine with a ruler... Note well what is before you, and put a knife to your throat if you are given to gluttony. Do not crave his delicacies, for that food is deceptive. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Have the wisdom to show restraint. Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the skies like an eagle. Do not eat the food of a stingy man. Do not crave his delicacies. For he is the kind of man who is always thinking about the cost. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. You will vomit up the little you have eaten and will have wasted your compliments. Do not speak to a fool, for he will scorn the wisdom of your words. Do not move an ancient boundary stone or encroach on the fields of the fatherless. For their defender is strong, he will take up their case against your heart to instruction and your ears to words of knowledge. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish him with the rod, he will not die. Punish him with the rod and save his soul from death. My son, if your heart is wise, then your heart or then my heart will be glad. My inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak what is right. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. There is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. Listen, my son, and be wise, and set your heart on the right path. Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on me. For drunkards and gluttons become poor, and drowsiness clothes them in rags. Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Wisdom, instruction, and insight as well. The father of a righteous child has great joy. A man who fathers a wise son rejoices in him. May your father and mother rejoice. May she who gave, she who gave you birth be joyful. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes delight in my ways. For an adulterous woman is a deep pit and a wayward wife is a narrow, narrow well. Like a bandit, she lies in wait and multiplies the unfaithful among men. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaints? Who has needless bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? Those who linger over wine, who go to sample bowls of mixed wine. Do not gaze at the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a snake and poisons like a viper. Your eyes will str- see strange sights, and your mind will imagine confusing things. You will be like one sleeping on the high seas, lying on top of the rigging. They hit me, you will say, but I am not hurt. They beat me, but I, do not, but I don't feel it. When will I wake up so I can find another drink? Amen. 
If you need a sermon on the dangers of drinking, go back to Facebook and go back to our podcast and listen a couple weeks ago. We covered several chunks from this chapter uh, on alcohol and how that is a heart issue uh, and a self-control issue more than it is a liquor issue. Uh, But today, from the Proverbs, we're going to be focusing on the fear of the Lord because it comes up yet again. And the title of this, this message today is One Future and One Hope. Our one future is the fear of the Lord. Our one great hope is that we get to be with the Lord. Um, there's a song on the radio now that says, Fear is not my future, you are. All the rest of that song is great, but that one line is wrong. I know what it's saying, and I agree with the message. Fear and being afraid is not my future, and God is my future. But the fear of the Lord is your future forever. Um, Just one of those, just a subtle jab. Uh, We listen with discernment. We learn with discernment. Fear is not a bad thing when you fear the right thing. So be careful. I'm focusing on verses 17 and 18 today. So let your eyes drop there. Chapter 23, verse 17 says, Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. Surely there's a future, and your hope will not be cut off. Let not your heart envy sinners. Why? Does the Bible have to say that? Because you will. That's why it has to say that. Because you do envy sinners. That that is part of human nature. We envy those who have what we want or get what we think we deserve. We envy those who have more. So why does the Bible say not to do it? Because it will. Your heart will envy sinners. Now remember, God rains down blessings of grace and common mercy and common grace on everyone, the righteous and the unrighteous. It seems like sometimes crime does pay. It seems like, well, it's not a seem, it's true. The guilty are not always caught. And vile people can make millions of dollars off of their debauchery to use a good Bible word there. You can use sexual sin to make a lot of money. Don't let your heart go there. Sin can be fun and sinners can be happy, but don't let your heart go there. Don't let your heart dwell on that temporary happiness. Last week, broader context. Not just the narrowness of your experience, not just the narrowness of what you're seeing and what you are feeling. Bigger context. And the Bible gives us that over and over again. Reading through the book of Revelation should be part of your yearly diet and reminder that God will win. Now don't don't, don't get sidetracked by the 
by the dragons and the fire and the brimstone and the blood up to here. And like, okay, that's in there too. There's a lot of graphic language, but get the big point. Get, get Revelation 21 and 22 in your back pocket. You're gonna need that about May. God wins. <laughs> How, order, timing, he wins. See the sinners prospering. You see the wicked making money. You see those who don't deserve it and those who don't deserve it getting and not getting. Life is not fair. Have you swallowed that pig pill yet? Are you choking on it right now? Like, oh, usually it's a teenager. Life is not fair. Oh, oh. Don't give them the Heimlich. Let them choke on that bad boy because we need to kill their pride. We need God to settle the score and just live with that uncomfortableness. Man, it's just not right. Wind it out, bro. Just wind it out. Get it out of your system because the sooner you understand nothing is right, the closer you will be to embracing Jesus as the only right that there is. Don't envy sinners. Don't let your heart go there. And it wants to. And that's why the Bible says in another place, in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, write down these two verses in the next blank. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we live by faith, not by sight. We are living according to an belief in an invisible kingdom that has not been settled yet, finished off yet, completed yet, not by just looking at the kingdoms around us that we are seeing now. We live by faith not by sight. God has clearly told us that he does not look on outward appearances as to whether people are good or not. God looks on the heart. That's God's word to the prophet Samuel when he was anointing Saul, 1 Samuel 16, 7. Why does God have to look on the heart? And what does God see when he looks at the human heart? Dead and trespasses and sins. <laughs> which means everybody's a, y'all are just rescue pups. Every single one of you. You're born in the kennel, you're raised in the kennel, and God has to save you. We need to be adopted. That's the language of scripture. We need to be adopted out of who we are and transformed into who he is. Not be all that you can be, not take care of yourself. Put on Jesus Christ and be transformed into his likeness and his image from glory to glory growing. Don't let your heart envy sinners. That's not who you are supposed to be. Envy those, look up to those, be jealous of those who have more God than you do. That's the proper aim. Envy those who seem to be more content with God than you are. Take them out to lunch. Envy those who, who don't have much but continue to give of themselves and give of their time and give of their resources. Spend time with those people. You want to envy something? Envy those people who are storing up treasures in heaven, who are pouring out their lives and their hearts now because they don't care if they lose now. They are playing on a different game board than the rest of the world. Have you ever played 
a game with the toddler? Doesn't it sometimes feel like they're playing a different game? They're jumping that little, that little piece all over the board, and they're making up the rules. They're, they're, I mean, even on Candyland, I mean, they're, they're playing a blue square, and they're going to purple. Like, okay, we're gonna, are you colorblind? What's going on here, Junior? <laughs> do, you not, do you not know how to lose? How can Dad beat you at this game like he wants to when you're not even playing by the rules? Maybe we trained them to play that way. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's a self-defense mechanism. <laughs> but really... When the world looks at you, do they think you are playing a different game? Do they think you are out of your mind because you take time for church, because you honor and respect your parents, because you are not cheating when everybody else is cheating? You're not skipping. You're not cutting corners when everybody else says, it's okay. It's just a little white lie. Does the world think you're playing a different game because you're living for Jesus? They should. They should not understand how you have peace in the middle of a strike or a layoff. They should not understand how in the world you're not talking about politics when that's all they want to talk about. They need to know you are different. That's only going to happen if Jesus comes out in your conversation. Yes, there is a silent witness. But for sinners to know you're not really envying them, thinking about what they think about, you need to talk about what they are not thinking about. That comes out of right field. I know right field. That's where I got put in softball. Right field is nowhere. Embrace it. Then that right fielder steps up to the plate. It's usually like, easy out. Embrace it. Surprise everybody. God brings the greatest things out of nowhere, like the backwaters of Nazareth. Everybody discounted who Jesus was. And when he opened his mouth, he didn't talk about all the things they envied because even Jesus, his heart was focused on the Lord. He wasn't envying those who grew up in better circumstances than he did. He wasn't envying those who had more money than he had. He wasn't envying those who had a, a better pedigree, who, who, who lived in bigger cities. Jesus didn't envy anybody because his heart was dedicated to God. That's the secret. Don't fight against, oh, I need to stop thinking about money. I need to stop thinking about sex. I need to stop thinking about success. That's the wrong battle. If you're gonna fight envy, you don't fight it by trying to tell yourself to not think about it. <laughs> you fight it by thinking about the right thing, by dwelling on who God is, who Jesus is. That's where the battle is won. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Write this down. Believe God exists, step one, from Hebrews 11.6. Believe that God exists, and step two, that he rewards those who seek him. Live like it matters. A lot of people say they believe in God, but then they don't live like it. That's a disconnect. That's a problem. Living like it matters means I'm willing to address heart issues. 
Let not your heart envy sinners. Comma. But continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. It says continue. I like that word. The writer of Proverbs is writing to his son and his grandsons. The writer of Proverbs is King Solomon. He's instructing and training the next generation of leaders. He's assuming they have a belief in the Lord. He's assuming they've listened to the Bible stories about Grandpa David. They've listened to the stories of Moses. They've listened to the stories. They've listened to the stories. They believe in God. But that's not enough. He says, continue in the fear of the Lord. That is belief on a different level. And here's where we get down to the nitty gritty of living by faith. You will either love the world or you will follow after Jesus. I think you know that. And that word continue, he could have said choose, decide, act, live by faith, follow, commit, repent. <laughs> there are a lot of words that we use in our church language to try to get all to the same point. And I think what he's trying to say is make it your own. I think what he's trying to say is flip the stinking switch. I know it's dark. I know this is a light. I know this will help me see. I know this will help me not stumble. Uh, I believe in God. Really? No. Solomon would say, continue in the fear of the Lord. Flip the stinking switch. Light it up. It's not enough to have God. Fear the Lord. Make him everything. Make him, make him the light, not you. Well, you know, I believe in God. But am I, yeah, but, but man, oh, the things of the world, you know, I will, I'll make it right with God someday. I'm, that's kind of that halfway. You know what halfway is? Zero. You know what saying you believe in God is but not living like it? Zero. Halfway is nothing. It's darkness. It's lostness. It's false. It's saying one thing, but never completely all in. And we are so capable of that on so many things. Solomon, does he want that for his son? Eh, just be kind of, you know, we know the stories. Just, just go. You're either off or you're on. You're either shining the light or you're not. You're living for Jesus or you're living for yourself. No matter what you say, I still believe it's a light when it's off. Well, yeah, but it's not lit. Are you? 
And, and this is the message that we send to the world. And we say we believe, but we don't live like it. We say we care, but we don't step in. We say we are following Jesus, but they never hear about him. It becomes awkward. It becomes awkward when you're carrying the light and you are living in the darkness. Because people are like, uh, duh. <laughs> like, you're talking about all your problems, but you're not doing anything about it. Have you flipped the switch or not? So what is it that Proverbs is pointing us towards? Don't envy sinners. Continue on. Live by faith, particularly with this phrase, the fear of the Lord. In August of 2022, over a year ago, August of 2022, we started talking about wisdom in the Bible. We looked at the wisdom in Eden and creation, the wisdom, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and bad. Remember all that? We talked about wisdom in the life uh, of Moses, wisdom in the life of Samuel, wisdom in the life of David, Solomon. We got even into the New Testament, wisdom in, in the life of Jesus. And then... In November of last year, we talked about the fear of the Lord. That's why I need to use this sermon to remind you what fear of the Lord is. It's been about a year. We need a little brush up. This is Proverbs, the main, the main theme of Proverbs is the fear of the Lord. So here it is again. I'm very glad it's in right in the middle of Proverbs 23, in case you forgot what this book is really about. This is not a book of things to do. It's a book about who you should be, right? You don't go to this book looking, how do I raise my kids? How do I fix my marriage? How do I fix my business? How do I invest well? How do I avoid fools? How do I address a fool? That's in there, but that's not why it's in there. It's in there and it's mixed up. I mean, if that, if that was the primary message of Proverbs, like how to live life, then it would be topical. Like all those verses together would be about fools and all this chapter about the wise, all this chapter about raising your kids, all these chapters about money and investing and all these chapters about blah, 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 blah. Not organized that way because that's not the point. It's all mixed up. He just expects you to sit down, read it, feel it, absorb it. And then he injects these deep sayings in the middle of all that. And most of them are wrapped around the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. So let me summarize. The fear of the Lord. Most basically, we call that reverence and respect for God. It is solemn. It is sober. It is serious. Think of walking into a courtroom. Whether you're the plaintiff or the defendant, you walk into the courtroom, you stand before the judge, whichever side you are on, you address him respectfully, thoughtfully. You take your hat off. You're not wearing shorts. You're not wearing flip-flops. You've probably dressed up for the event. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. May I be excused? That's the language of court. It's reverence, it's respect with somebody who has more authority than you. So, so that's, that's the first take on the fear of the Lord, but it is way more than that. 
Sometimes the Bible says, fear the Lord, which means keep him as your chief focus. When we fear something, we usually pay attention. If you're afraid of your child falling into the pool or getting swept away by a wave, you watch them. You keep an eye on them. You, if you're afraid something is gonna happen, you take action and you're, you're, you're on guard, you're on duty. So to fear the Lord means to keep him as your chief focus. Give him your full attention. Reverence, respect, chief focus, full attention, but it's more than that. Sometimes the Bible phrases it simply as fear God. Fear God means to be aware of consequences. Be sensitive and understanding that there, there is discipline from the Lord, there is punishment from the Lord, and there is pain. God can allow these things into your life because of the things you've done. We don't fear, we shouldn't fear the consequences. We need to fear the God who allows the consequences. We fear him reverently, respectfully, with focus and with attention, understanding that all the consequences ultimately are in his hands, not your enemy's hands, not your government's hands, in his hands. The fear of the Lord, but it's more than that. To properly fear the Lord is to love the Lord. This is the great conclusion we came to. When the Bible encourages us to fear the Lord or to have the right kind of fear of the Lord, it's basically asking you to love him with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and everything that's within you. It's asking you to enter into a relationship with God where he is your heavenly father. None of us have had perfect earthly fathers, so throw that out the window right now as your excuse. But project and imagine a perfect heavenly father. When you do wrong, he makes it right. When you do wrong, he confronts and he corrects. Is that kind of father out to squish you, kill you? No. Restore you, correct you, change you. Yes, grow you up. Yes, the fear of the Lord in the Bible is a good thing because God is good. So to fear God is different than every other fear. My favorite uh, book on this is called Rejoice and Tremble. Uh, if you want to write that down at the next blank, Rejoice and Tremble. Explaining how we can rejoice. Fear of the Lord rejoices that God is holy and just. The trembling comes in realizing I'm just a man who is flawed and imperfect, but I can rejoice because Jesus has taken my place. Jesus has become my mediator. Jesus has become my savior. What's the proper response to God being holy, me being unholy, Jesus being the answer? The proper resp response is to draw near. 
to step into that relationship. That's the gospel. God, me, Jesus, flip the switch. Make a choice for the rest of your life to walk in the light as he is in the light, to fellowship with God and let, let his light reveal the darkness, push out the darkness and change you. Rejoice that God is good, but yet we still should have a level of trembling at his holiness. That reverence and respect never goes away. Our relationship with God never becomes, he's my buddy. There's still a proper understanding that he loves me. There's a family relationship there, but he's still God Almighty, whose voice melts mountains, splits cedars, causes earthquakes, tsunamis. All of those are just a, just a drop in the bucket of who God is. All of the, but he's also, he's also, he's also sound of a quiet stream. song of a bird on a spring afternoon. He's still that still, small voice. Revere him, respect him, draw near to him. Both. All at the same time. Worldly fears make us afraid and we run or we withdraw. Worldly fears make us afraid and we run or withdraw. Not so with godly fear. Not so with the fear of the Lord. Exodus 20, verses 18 through 20. Early on, Israelites have come out of Egypt. I think you remember the story. They get the Ten Commandments. There are... Moses goes up on the mountain, right? Speaks with God. All the people stay behind. Listen to what happens in, in Exodus 20, 18 through 20. When all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and they trembled and they stood far off. And they said to Moses, um, you speak, to us, and we will listen. Do not let God, God speak to us lest we die. Okay. God who just saved your backsides out of Egypt, he went through all that trouble, he led you through the Red Sea, like, you think that God's out to get you. How dumb do you need to be? He just went through all that to save you people. And you're, you, they're afraid, they're withdrawing. That's not the fear of the Lord. So up steps Moses to correct them. Just, just, and also feel the patience of this guy speaking to a people of hard hearts. Moses says to the people in verse 20, do not fear. The most common command in the Bible, by the way. For God has come to test you that the fear of him may, before, may be before you and that you may not sin. I love that. Do not fear 
but fear. <laughs> Isn't that great? Don't fear like that. Fear and stop sinning. Don't fear and run away. Fear, draw near. Follow me. That's what Moses would say. Guys, he's for us, not against us. That God that you're scared of, everybody else is scared of him too. But we don't have to be. He's called us by name. He's made promises to Abraham, Isaac, David, all of our fathers. He's for us, not against us. Have you not read the book? Come on, he sent me to tell you, follow, lead, let's go. Follow me, follow me. And the fear of the Lord will keep you from sin. That is, man, that is an uppercut. If you struggle with sin, I can put my finger on that sin this morning and say, in that area of your life, you don't fear God the right way. Because if you did, you'd stop. Think you're in charge. You think you're in control. You think you know better. You think you're getting away with it. You think it's okay. You think, you need to stop thinking. Proverbs, Proverbs. Is this about thinking? Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord. He's calling your heart to fear the Lord. Not your checkbook, not your footsteps. He knows if he wins this battle of your heart, he controls who you love and you love him the right way. It will naturally drive sin out of your life. You don't even have to fight against sin. You just fear the Lord and the sin flees. Everything you're afraid of, it's, a, it's more afraid of God. He is your gigantic heavenly father on the playground of this world. And you can always point back to him. <laughs> more my dad. Always go fall back on that and lean on that. Trust him. Godly fears make us faithful and we draw near. See, we said about worldly fears. Worldly fears make us afraid and we withdraw or step back. But godly fears, the right fear of the right God, the right way, knowing who he is, it makes us want to be faithful and we want to be closer to him. Even when we sin, we want to go back to him in prayer and confess and repent. I can't stop sinning. Don't stop going back to God. You're going to fail. You're going to flounder. You're going to fall. What matters the most is that you keep coming back. Even if there's a little bit of a disconnect there between what you say and how you live if this is in order, if you keep drawing near to God, I have a lot of hope for you. If you keep coming to church, I have a lot of hope for you. You keep reading your Bible, I have a lot of hope for you. Even if you feel like the world's biggest hypocrite, failure, flop, you're not. You can't be a bigger flop than what he started with with you. You've always been a flop and a failure. Only re reason you think you're something is because you think you're something. God knows better than that. You are just his child. And fathers forgive children all the time. We won't even talk about grandfathers. Grandfathers spoil the children all the time. You know what I'm saying? We understand that on an earthly level, right? God is better than that. What he wants from you is you. He wants you. The fear of the Lord leads us away from sin. And this is how the wisdom in Proverbs uses that phrase, the fear of the Lord. 
One more phrase I wanna cover in verse 17 before I move on. At the very end of verse 17, I'm in the English Standard Version, the ESV. It says, let your heart, let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. What does your Bible say? All the day long. Always. Anything different over here? Always? That's all right. That's what it means. All the time, in all ways, in all shapes, in all forms, all the day. Does that mean I can not do it at night? No. No, 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 no. It's a general phrase that means all the time. All the day. God has help for your problems 24 7. Psalm 121, verse 4 says, Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Solomon does not have a picture of a God who ever closes his eyes. He can fear that God and that God will watch over him even when he's not fearing the right way, even when he's not praying the right way, even when he's not doing everything the right way, even if he makes mistakes as the king, even if he makes mistakes as the father, even if he makes mistakes at work, God is for him, not against him. Fear the Lord all the day long. And then verse 18 closes us out. Surely there is a future and hope that will not be cut off. So there's the title, Future and a Hope. God is our future and hope. And I'm here to encourage you this morning, wherever you are in your life, to draw near to Him because He cares for you. If that includes confession of sin, do it. If that includes Turning off some habits, do that. There's a future. Your hope will not be cut off. You're going to have a lot of hopes dry up in this life. <laughs> the older you get, the less you will get your way. The older you get, the more you realize The more you realize you have to calm down, you can't control everything. You're going to have a lot of hopes dry up. You're going to have a lot of hopes get cut off. But in Jesus Christ, we have a Savior who has already conquered sin. He's already defeated the power of death. He has resurrected from the grave. In Jesus, we have someone to hope in that goes way beyond everything we could do. Jesus rules and reigns as the Son of God who calls us to follow his path. Don't envy sinners this week. Jesus envied no one. He loved God the Father with all of his heart. Jesus has a proper fear of the Lord. You can too. You can fear the Lord better this week than you did last week. Let that be your, your encouragement. I can do better. <clears throat> Correction. Correction. I can fear better.
Not do. Love. I can love God better this week. How can I go out of my way to show God that I love him this week? Start thinking of your life as, as you working for your heavenly father. The Bible talks about that. Don't just work when other people are working, watching. Don't just work for men's service, men pleasing. Don't just, don't just work because you know she's watching and they're gonna reward you and they're gonna give you an attaboy. We work as unto the Lord. He's our, he's our boss, right? Fear him, love him, strive for him, please him. When was the last time you committed your life to Jesus? Some of you have really great salvation stories. That's good, back there. I'm asking you today, we're rehashing, reliving the fear of the Lord, and I wanna bring it into the now. When was the last time you recommitted all of your life to him. We had some teens do that at camp this summer, man. We celebrated that. It's awesome. What about you, grown-ups? You haven't been to camp in a while, most of you. A couple of us are cheaters. We go every year because we can. When was the last time in a moment of prayer between you and God, you said, I am still all in? God, forgive me for kind of, I've been kind of half and off that switch. Flip it again. If you find the light of your testimony a little bit dim right now, bring it back. Grown-ups, old people, when was the last time you genuinely recommitted your faith, your heart, your everything to Jesus Christ? Recently, this morning, think about that. You, Bruce, you are still God's tiny little baby boy. Rick, you'll never stop being smaller than Jesus. Jim. You are a precious child. Dewey. God knows your real name. You're, you're his. You're. In so many ways, we, we feel like we're growing up and getting old. You're not. In God's sight, you should be getting better. He still loves you and cares for you. Recommit. Recommit to the, the pledges, the prayers of your youth. Rise up. Be that person again. You may have prayed at camp when you were 15. You may have prayed in VBS when you were nine. But today is the day of your salvation. Recommit. Renew your fear of the Lord. God, I still reverence you. I still respect you. Thank you. I'm all in. I'm still all in. No matter what this world throws at me, no matter what my family throws at me, no matter what my health throws at me, I'm all in until God, you call me home. I think the fear of the Lord should change the way 
you live the rest of your life. That's a good thing. Stand with me. Let's pray. Today is a great day to renew your promises to God, to renew your faith in him, to ask for forgiveness, to ask for grace, to make it through (laughs) whatever comes next. You know something's coming, right? You know something's coming. At work, at home, at play, something's coming. You're gonna get injured, you're gonna get a diagnosis, you're gonna, something's coming. Something's always coming. How do I prepare for that? by bowing your head, by closing your eyes, and saying, Jesus, here I am. Help me to not envy sinners. Help me to fear you and love you, to rejoice and to tremble when I pray knowing you are on the throne, nobody else is. God, we pray with all that we've got that you would take the little that we are and make much of Jesus. We recommit our faith to you this morning. We've asked you to save us before. We ask you to save us still. We know there is no end to your saving power. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Oh, oh Jesus, how we rejoice at the thought of you finishing the work you have started in us. Help us to see the good works that you've prepared right in front of us in Enid, right in front of us. Help us to see the good works you have created and give us the faith to walk into them, to step in and help needy people when we can, to have discernment to know when we shouldn't. And may your name come out of our lips more never has before. God, we come to you in the name of Jesus and we pray that you would accept us fresh this morning. Keep us, protect us, guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love, the fellowship of kindred minds is like to that above.
us inward pain. But we shall still be joined in heart and hope to meet again. Benediction for today, the last two verses of the Bible. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. <laughs>